0: Father, we are grateful. We want to say a huge thank you um, for this new year. We thank you for year 2021, for all the things you did for us, for all all the things that you were to us. We say thank you. Thank you for your word that came to us in abundant measure last year, transforming us, changing us, imparting our lives. Jesus, we say thank you. To you be all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. As we begin this new year, we ask, Father, that you have your way. We ask that this year be be a reflection of your will in our lives and even through this community in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you take us from glory to glory, even by your Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. Glory be to your holy name, dear Lord. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We are we are going to do a um we're going to do a well just an introduction to the year 2022 and there's a word God dropped in my heart I just want to share with us um this um for today's bible study, all right? So, let's turn our bibles to um turn our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 37, verse 30 32. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 30 to 32. Um, Isaiah is in the Old Testament for the record. All right, so Isaiah chapter 37, verse 30. To thirty-two, but just before I read, right? Um, a brief hi- brief history on this scripture. So a brief background rather on this scripture. Um, so the a king, the king of Assyria called Sene- Sennacherib, he um threatened Hezekiah, right, and he threatened him that he's going to wipe away the city and take them captive and all of that, and. Um, Hezekiah was rightfully afraid because the person issuing this threat had a history of dis- destroying nations, and this, in fact, this was part of the things that Sennacherib boasted about as the king of Assyria. And so Hezekiah ran to God and said, "Lord, look at the um, look at the threats that this man is bringing to your people." Okay, and then God gave a word via the prophet Isaiah. All right, and I, as I said, a couple of things, and um, you know from verse twenty-one, but I want us to look at verse thirty, which would capture our emphasis for today's teaching. Isaiah 30, chapter thirty-seven, verse thirty. He says, "And this shall be a sign unto thee." He says, "You shall eat." Sorry, you shall eat this year such as groweth it of itself. And the second year, that which springeth of the same. And in the third year, sow ye and reap and plant vineyards and eat the food thereof. So Isaiah began to speak prophetically to Hezekiah and says that, in fact, the evidence of a sign for you that you'll be victorious is that this year you will eat what grows of itself. Next year, the second year, you will eat the same way. That's what goes of itself. And in the third year, it says, sow ye and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. And my emphasis is from the last phrase that says, sow ye and reap, and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. And this year, part of the things that God is saying to us is that we need to sow in this year. We need to sow in order for us to reap. We need to plant vineyards and then eat from the Um, from the vineyards, we need to plant vineyards and eat the produce of the vineyards, all right? So it says, sow ye and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof, verse 39, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward, praise Jesus. So God was saying again that the people that are left of the house of Judah what will happen is that they will take roots downward, and then they will bear fruit upward. Okay. And this is really our emphasis for today, and and not just for today alone, but also for the year, that God's desire for us is to take roots downwards in order for us to bear fruit upwards. All right. You know, if you plant, well, Nobody, people hardly ever plant grass. I'm yet to see anybody that said, well oh, intentionally, I want to plant weed. Weed typically just grows on, grow grows on its own, and as fast as it grows, it also disappears. The reason is because the roots are extremely shallow, all right, and um, the roots are not deep enough. So once the season changes, the the the, the weed automatically disappears because there is no roots in it. So what God is saying is that for us to be rooted and produce fruit upwards, right? Um, for us to be, for us to produce fruit upwards rather, we need to first and foremost be rooted. And that's why it says, the remnant shall take roots downward and bear fruit upward. And I believe this is God's word for us for this year, that we this year we are taking roots downwards. We're not just concerned about um, external display of results. We want to take roots downward. We want to, you know, a root is the system that guarantees the continuous production of fruits, regardless of the season at hand. That is what a root is. A root is a system that guarantees the continuous production of fruits, regardless of the season at hand. Meaning that if a season comes and goes, the tree doesn't need to worry. As long as the tree has roots still in the ground, it will continue to bear fruits. The problem comes when the tree does not have roots. In fact, if you cut the branch of a tree, the tree will still not worry because it's just a matter of time. It will grow branch again. If you pluck all the fruits from a tree and you you strip the, the tree bare, the tree will still not worry because it has roots in the ground. If today you wake up and you burn all the leaves on a tree, the tree will still not worry because it has roots on in the ground. So the system of assurance that the tree is confident in is the roots that it has in the ground. And what God is saying to us this year is that we need to strengthen our system of reproduction. You know, having results on the outside is fantastic, but your emphasis can never should never start from external results. The emphasis should come from the system and the structure that people cannot see, and that is the roots. So God wants us this year to take roots downwards so that we can bear fruit upwards all right so let me read that again um isaiah chapter 37 where and verse verse 31 the remnant that is escaped of the house of judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward you know the first thing is that we take root downward and as a consequence we begin to bear fruit upward so what this tells us is that we really don't need to focus on bearing fruit. What you should focus on is taking roots. Once you have taken roots sufficiently without effort on the on your own part, you will bear fruit out, outward. All right? And the mistake would come when people are concerned about bearing fruit. So for instance, you see a believer that is doing well and bearing fruit and producing results and you want to imitate the fruits all right? Meaning you want to imitate the external manifestation of virtue in the person's life, but you do not know the hidden structure of root root taking that the person has. Meaning, for instance, you see a believer that um, has a lifestyle worthy of emulation, and you just want to copy the person, copy the the way the person speaks, copy the way the person talks. You You know, when I was growing up, I used to watch some ministers, and I just wanted to copy the way they're dressed. I just wanted to copy the way they talked, you know, their mannerisms. I wanted to imitate it because I felt if I could say it the way this man is saying it, that's where the power lies. But we all know that that's not where the power lies. The power lies in the anchor of the roots downward. All right. So this year, God is asking us to be to take roots downward. God is asking us to, to focus on depth, not just height. You understand what I'm saying? That. You know, the same thing with a, with a building, the strength of the building starts from the pillars, how high a building can go or how high a building can, um, will stand is dependent on the, on the foundation, sorry, not pillars, I mean, foundations, all right, is dependent on the foundation of the building. In fact, Jesus Christ gave a parable of two people, all right, he says one built his house on a rock, the other built his house on sand. And both houses looked beautiful, but it was just a matter of time when the storm came, when the wind came, that we now found out whose um, house was built on a rock and who had a solid foundation. And what this is saying to us that in this year, okay, whether you like it or not, things will come that will test your roots in the ground. And God is saying to us this year that we should take roots downwards we should take roots downward and consequently will bear fruit upwards. All right. You know that I can take a, for instance, now if I have a tree, right? Let's say I have a mango tree and the mango tree doesn't have fruit on it, but I see my neighbor's mango tree and my neighbor's mango tree has a lot of fruit and I don't want people to look at my mango tree and say, this person's mango tree doesn't have fruit. You know what? One of the things I could do is actually go and pluck fruits from my neighbor's mango tree and come and hang it on my mango tree so that people will look at it externally and it will seem like i am fruitful but guess what it's just a matter of time when some days go by the the fruits that i went to adopt from my neighbor's tree will begin to rot in because they are not connected to a system they're not connected to a tree that has roots all right or when wind blows, it's just a matter of time. The wind will probably blow away the fruits that are on my, on the, the fruits that I adopted from my neighbor's tree. What I'm saying to us is that if we are not, if we try to adopt people's fruits, that's their external results. We try to, we try to adopt it into our lives without having a solid root to sustain the fruits. It's just a matter of time and we're going to see this in scriptures um, um, shortly, that persecution challenges and things will come at us that would prove the validity of the fruits we claim to possess. So rather, let us take roots downward and let the effect of our roots be seen in the fruits that we bear, all right? So no doubt, God wants us to bear fruit. And Jesus Christ already said that in um, John chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you did not call me, you did not choose me rather, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. And it says fruits that will last. So it is clear from scripture that God intends for us to bear fruit. However, we do not bear fruit without taking roots downwards. And this is what the scripture is saying, that in this year, God's intention is for us to take roots downwards and so that we can bear fruit upwards. All right. So we're going to look at what taking roots downward means. Um, um, shortly, and, and the practical application of this concept. But I just wanted to bring on to us what I believe is God's word for us for this year: that we will no longer be tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, but will be solid. We'll take roots downward. You know, the, the when a when when a storm comes, you really would know the strength of a root. Okay, and part of the reasons why a palm tree lives so long right, is because its roots are firmly in the ground. The trunk may shake here and there, but the roots are un- unmovable, okay? And that's what God expects or God desires from us as believers, that we take roots downwards and our roots are solid enough in Him so that regardless of the winds that the year 2022 may blow on us, that we will still be um, steadfast and steady in Him, okay? And, I, I, you know, have you ever heard or come across someone who was strong in faith, right? But then the person for some reason began to backslide. If you f- if you drill deep down, one of the possible reasons is that the person encountered a challenge, and it seems like everything he believed about God was was questioned. His convictions were challenged. And because he was not solid enough, um he he began to shift. Okay. And so eventually the the Season of life or the experience of life moved him away, uprooted him basically from God, and God doesn't want that from us. So, the way to avoid that is to take root downward. Let me say this that, um, I mean, yes, God has amazing things planned for us for the year, but challenges will come. I will, I will look at it from God's word, challenges will come right, and challenges will come because of the word that God has spoken to you. And if you have not taken root downwards, your you will not see the manifestation of God's word in your life, even though God has spoken, um, spoken the word to you. So again, I'm emphasizing that God wants us to take root downwards this year. And, um, I believe this is why this community exists, right. Um, for everybody. In fact, if I ask some of you, right, you, you gladly tell me that last year came with its own challenges. Okay. And I cannot promise you that this year you will not experience challenges. However, I can promise you that if you are, if you are rooted in Christ, then you will always bear fruit regardless of the challenges that you, you, you experience. All right. Um, let me read a scripture for us. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, I believe verse five. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Okay. <clears throat> no, let, let's keep to verse 7, right? It says, Blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and spread out her roots by the river. So God wants us to spread our roots, to go deeper in him, okay? And He says that, and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful, or shall not be anxious in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So God is saying this about the people who have taken root, who have spread for their roots. He says that they will not see when heat comes. Now, it doesn't mean that heat will not come, but because they are rooted in Christ, the heat will not have impact on them. You know, when heat comes, leaves lose uh, or plants rather lose moisture. And if the plant is not connected to water, or if the roots of the plant does not have access to water, all right, then it begins to dry away and then the heat scorches it till the plant dies. But the Bible says that if your roots is, is spread forth enough, first of all, being planted by the water and also being spread, spread deep enough to access water that even when heat comes, what does heat mean? Heat means the trials and, and, and tribulations of, of, of life, of seasons that we're at. The Bible says that even when the heat comes, that you will not be a victim of that heat, number one. It says that your leaf will always be green, meaning that you know, have you have you ever seen a believer and you can, from looking at the, at the believer, you can tell this person is experiencing persecution. That means the person's leaf is not green. There's no freshness on the person's on the person's life however you can you might see another person so full of joy full of life and everything and you cannot even tell that the person is going through anything unless the person opens his mouth to tell you all right so it says that the leaves will always be green and it says you will not be careful or you'll not be anxious in the year of drought so there are seasons of drought let, let me be honest with you there are seasons of of trial there are seasons of of testing but the Bible says that if you are rooted, you will not be anxious about those seasons. That regardless of the season, you will always be fruitful. And this is what God wants from us. This is what God desires of us. That this year we take root roots downwards, such that regardless of the season, we are still intact. We are, our leaves are green and we are always bearing fruit. Hallelujah. All right, there's something else I want us to look at in um in um in this same Isaiah where we read. We read Isaiah chapter. 37. Let's go back to it. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 31. I want to look at something there Um Isaiah chapter 37, verse, verse 30. Sorry. Isaiah chapter 37, verse, verse 30. All right. And the, and this sign, and this shall be a sign unto thee. Ye shall eat this year such as groweth of itself, and the second year that which springeth of the same. And in the third year, he says, sow ye and reap, and plant vineyards and eat of the fruit thereof. All right, and this is one of the emphasis that God dropped in my heart. He says, in this year, you need to sow and reap. In this year, this is not the year of, you, you, know, you know, a farmer doesn't go to the farm Expecting to just stumble on on harvest. No, a farmer intentionally intentionally plants, and then he expects a harvest from what he has planted. No, no serious person wakes up one morning and just say, "eh, well, let me just go and check what's in the field." Anything I see, I'll, I'll take it as the Lord's will. No, a farmer is you know, farming is one of the the one of the earthly practices that really exposes us to the to the experience and manifestation of God's kingdom a farmer intentionally places a seed in the soil with the expectation that after some months, after some days, after a period, that that seed will begin to yield fruits, right? Will begin to yield um, results. And like I, I just finished speaking about taking roots downward, meaning the seed grows, takes roots downward and begins to produce results. And let me say this, that God expects results from your life. God expects fruits from your life. It is, it is, Spiritual foolishness to think that all of God's investments, he doesn't expect a return. No, God expects a return from your life. And I believe this is one of the years that God is really looking out for a harvest from our lives. Let me, before we come back to Isaiah, let me just make a detour and read a portion of scripture in Hebrews chapter six, I believe, verse seven. Um, Because, you know, many, many times believers expect that. Once I'm born again, I'm born again. I've impressed God by being saved. So what else does God want from me? I can just continue remaining, remaining a baby. But no, God expects results from your life. Galatians, uh, sorry, Hebrews, I beg your pardon. Um, chapter six, I said, verse seven, yes. Look at what it says. It says, for the earth which drinketh in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from the Lord. Verse eight, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Then the writer continues to say, but beloved who are persuaded, better things of you and things that accompany salvation, um, though we thus speak. What this means is that the writer of Hebrews was given a par- was I mean, given uh, what I call a parable and he says that the land that continues to drink rain from it that means rain continues to fall on the land water continues to pour on it and then he says the land that land that now brings forth herbs or brings forth crops right sufficient for those um, by whom it was dressed meaning the person the land that brings forth crops right in expect in the expectation of the person that tended that that garden so think about it as a garden the garden that brings forth plants right? Meeting the expectation of the one that tended the garden. The Bible says that 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 land will receive the blessing from the Lord. But then the one that doesn't bring forth um, crops, but instead brings up thorns and briars. He says he's near unto cursing, right? He says, first of all, he's rejected, he's near unto cursing, whose end is to be born. And this shows us the expectation of God from us, that God has been pouring deposits into our lives all these years. God has been releasing heavenly resources, divine inspiration, spiritual nutrients into your life. God is expecting harvest from us this year. Praise Jesus. All right, so back to Isaiah. Okay, it says, Isaiah um, 37, we're still in verse 30. It says that, um, you shall sow and reap. So that's my emphasis um, for this moment, that God wants us to sow and reap. There's no coincidental harvest anybody has. You need to sow and reap. If, if at all you expect a coincidental harvest, it will never be to the measure that, that God expects of you or to the measure that is expected from that um, from that land, all right? So God expects us to sow and to reap, all right? So what what does sowing and reaping really mean in this context? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 to verse 9. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 to verse 9. So I'm just trying to bring onto us, um, you know, what God has impressed in my heart for us for this year. And this would guide a lot of activities as a community. All right, Ephesians, no, not Ephesians, Galatians, I beg your pardon, Galatians. Chapter six, verse seven to nine. All right, so I read. It says, "Be not, um, where am I? Yeah, okay, verse seven. Yes, be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap also. So, um, <clears throat> God, um, 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 Paul here rather was speaking to the to, to the Galatian church and says. Don't be deceived though. There's no, there's no gimmicks in this. There's no chance. And the way I, when I read this, the way it comes to my mind is that he was trying to instruct them about how to be intentional in their spiritual growth. I guess he was trying to explain to them that there is no coincidence in the realm of spirit and there is no coincidence in spiritual growth. In fact, think about this. If you as, as an individual, um, whatever your, whatever, career you are on, right? Whether you're a business owner, you are, you're working at a company or whatever it is, you make intentional steps to get certain kinds of results. Paul is saying that let nobody deceive you. You cannot, God cannot be mocked. You know, a lot of things that believers do are actually, they're actually mocking God. What I mean is somebody doesn't pray, doesn't fast, doesn't give, and then he wakes up and and by the end of the year, he, of the year, he expects to be spiritually um, promoted, or he expects to have, a, to have gained, you know, a different level in the realm of spirit. It doesn't happen that way. Time doesn't play any factor in the realm of spirits. Time doesn't, um, in the realm of spirit, especially with regards to spiritual growth, that you are <clears throat> 10 years, you've been a believer for the past 10 years, doesn't mean you have grown. You can be in the same spot for 10 years. The only thing that will change is your age, but not your spiritual capacity. So this was what Paul was telling them, that don't be mocked. Um, sorry, don't be deceived rather. God cannot be mocked. It is what you sow that you are going to reap. And that's what the prophet Isaiah was telling them. He said, in the first year, you're going to eat, you're going to get off whatever, um, whatever the land produces. In the second year, the same thing, but in the third year, it will not be so. You have to plant in order for you to reap. And you know, a lot of Christians need to transition from that Um, babyhood stage to spiritual maturity. And again, I I keep saying this, that this is what this community is about, all right? Making that transition from what I call the desert Christian to the promised land Christian. Let me explain what I mean. You know, the Israelites were in the desert and in the desert, they didn't need to do anything to be fed. Manna came down from heaven for 40 years and they, without effort on their part, manna came down, God sent quails, they didn't need to dig any well. Water came from the rock. They were living off, off the resources of heaven without any effort on their part. However, they were in the desert, meaning they were not where God wanted them to be. They were in a transition phase, all right? But they were in the wilderness nonetheless. But in the wilderness, they enjoyed manna, meaning you just think about it. You don't have to cook. They didn't have to cook. They didn't have to go to the farm. They didn't have to do anything. All they needed to do was just to wake up, go outside of their tent and pick manna and eat. Or when they wanted meat, God sent quails and the quails fell right in front of them. In fact, they didn't need to catch the quails. They didn't need to set traps or anything. They just got the quails without effort on their part. But when they entered the land of Canaan, which was God's promised land for them, right? That's the land that God wanted them to be. The Bible says that the moment they entered, that the manna ceased and they had to start planting crops by themselves, they had to start digging wells to get water, meaning that If you ever will get to the promised land, that's where God has prepared for you, there's always responsibility attached to the promised land. And this is where God is bringing us into, that God wants us to be mature believers, believers that are able to handle responsibility in the promised land. And this is really what this year is about. It's a year of growth. A year where we handle the responsibilities that God intends for us, and we are intentional about our spiritual growth. All right. So, um, Ephesians, sorry, Galatians chapter six, verse seven, again, says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that shall he reap also. So the question now is what really are we sowing and, and what, what does this sowing refer to? Now, it is true that this scripture can be applied in various ways. Okay. To Various areas of sowing and reaping, but in this context, specifically for this context, Paul was talking about spiritual things. And look at what verse eight says. He says, "For he that sows to his spirit shall of the flesh reap, sorry, he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting." I want to read this in the New Living Translation. He puts it differently here um, in NLC. Um, That's Galatians 6, verse 8. NLC NLC says, he says, those who live only to satisfy... Sorry, good news translation, not NLC. Good news, rather. He says, if you plant in the field of your natural desires... From it you will gather the harvest of death. If you plant in the field of the spirit, from the spirit you will gather the harvest of eternal life. So remember, we talked, we spoke about um, the, the the garden that has been receiving water and then needs to uh, um, needs to produce um, crops, meeting the expectation of the of the garden tender or the of the gardener. Right now, this is talking about your spiritual field. And I love the way goodness translation translation puts it again. I read it says, if you plant in the field of your natural desires from it, you will gather the harvest of death, meaning that, okay, let, let me finish up. It says, if you plant in the field of the spirit from the spirit, you will gather the harvest of eternal life. So there are two fields you can plant in at any given point in time. You can either plant to the field of your flesh, meaning that you continue to yield to the desires of your flesh. Um, it's time to fast. You say, you know, I, I just feel hungry, you know. I can't eat before I'm used to eating by 9 a.m. You know, if I don't take breakfast, my day will be destabilized. You are planting to the field of your of your flesh. If it is time to pray, you say, Ah, this prayer yourself. Can't you just pray? What is it in prayer? Can't you just pray for 10 minutes? Will be okay. You are planting to the field of your flesh, all right? And the Bible says, every time you plant in the field of your flesh, you would from it, gather the harvest of death. What does the harvest of death mean? It's not just talking about um, cessation of life, sorry, but it's talking about the experience of the experience of death in our in our human nature. Meaning that you you continue to see the weakness of your flesh. All right, and you know, like Peter, when it was time to when when Jesus was praying, Peter and 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 James and John slept all through and Pete, and god jesus had already told peter that you would deny me peter boasted and said no 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 i'll never deny you when it was time to pray they slept shortly after that this very same thing peter we, by himself boasted he would not do he eventually did it because there was no strength his flesh was elevated above his spirit and jesus said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so the harvest of death means you will see the manifestation of the weakness of flesh all through the seasons of your life and and that's not what god expects from us but he says that if you plant in the field of the Spirit, from the spirit you gather the harvest of eternal life so when you decide to starve your flesh and feed your spirit when you decide to spend time in god's word make the intentional deposit in god's word then your spirit begins to gain prominence and the bible says you reap the harvest of eternal life meaning the life and this this is something we need to understand as believers That though we are born again, it is not every believer that is reaping the harvest of eternal life. Meaning that eternal life is like a seed in us. When we sow in that field, right, it begins to grow and we begin to see the external manifestations of eternal life. One thing I want to point out from this scripture is that at every given point in time, you are are sowing in a field. There is no neutral ground in this life. At every given point in time, you are sowing. Whether you do it intentionally or not, it doesn't matter. You are still sowing regardless. And to reap um, the harvest of the spirit, we then have to be intentional in sowing into the spirit. Okay? Um, I hope this is clear enough. So when we talk about sowing and reaping, yes, there's financial sowing. There's sowing your time and your service to God and all of that. but specifically for this context, we're talking about sowing in the realm of the spirit. Let me repeat this again. There is no coincidence in the realm of spirit. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. There's nothing like, you know, I just want to be, I just want to, you know, I just want to be myself. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I like these things just talking about, just too spiritual. I, you know, I just want to, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just me. I'm true to myself. Listen, if you don't sow in the spirit, you are sowing in the flesh automatically meaning if you're not intentionally investing into your spiritual growth, you are unconsciously investing into your flesh and a time will come where you need to place demands and, and make withdrawals from your spirit and you'll be bankrupt. It's like having it's like someone who has a bank bank account. Let's say you, let's say you, you do business. All right. And, Every money you get from your business, you just spend it, you just spend it. You never deposit anything to your bank account. The day you need to go and withdraw money and make purchases in the market, your bank account will be empty. And those seasons in your life will always come. You know, the Bible says man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father, meaning eh, a Season in your life will come where what you need will not be bread alone. You will need something beyond bread. You will need a word that proceeded from the mouth of the Father. And if you are bankrupt at at, at those times, ah, you will be overtaken by temptation. Because if you look at Jesus Christ, the reason why he was able to um, um, go through that wilderness experience after being After fasting for 40 days and then being tempted by the devil, the reason was because he had the word of God at at his fingertips. So every time we are devoid of God's word, which is one of the things we harvest from from the spirit, right? Every time we are devoid of God's word, we are overtaken by temptation. What that means is if you see a believer who went through a season of, a, a trying season, and that trying moment swallowed the believer, that means the believer never recovered, It is not because the temptation was great or the persecution was great. It was because the the believer didn't have enough deposit in his spiritual bank to withdraw from. And let me just say this again. Yes, the year 2022 will be a fantastic year. However, it will also come with its own trials and and, um, tribulations. And if you are bankrupt in your spiritual bank, there'll be nothing for you to make withdrawals from. All right, so we are sowing in the realm of the spirit intentionally. The Bible says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So there's really no adversity that by design is greater than you. The only time believers um, are are destroyed is when their strength is small. And we only gain strength by sowing in the realm of the spirit. All right. So I want to conclude this evening by showing us three reasons, right, from scripture, three reasons why believers don't produce results, and three reasons, or three reasons why. why the word of God doesn't produce in people's lives. Okay. And we were going to look at a famous parable from Jesus Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9. Matthew chapter 13, uh, we're going to start from verse 3 to 9, then skip to verse 18. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9. Meanwhile, I just want to know if you guys are following so far. So please, if you are following, give me a thumbs up or let me know you're following in the comment section. Um, both on MixLR and on Zoom. Just let me know if you are following. You can give me a thumbs up. Okay, thank you. I see a thumbs up, Evelyn. and a person to me. Thank you. You're following. Great. Um, anyone else on Zoom? MixLR, please let me know if you're following um, the teaching so far. You can just drop a comment in the chat box. Matthew chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 3 to 9. All right, so this is a famous parable. Okay, thank you. I see your comments in Zoom. Okay, good. All right, so Matthew chapter 13, uh, we're reading verse three to nine. I'll read that quickly and then we'll go to the interpretation of the parable in verse, 13, verse 18. All right, so verse three, I read, and he spoke many things unto them in parables saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. You know, verse three says, he spoke many things to them in parables saying, meaning that the parable Jesus Christ gave Had several applications, right? It's like he wanted to say so many things at once, but he now gave them this one parable because of the, because of the, um, of the accuracy of the parable to address several situations at the same time. And in fact, we read another gospel, um, concerning this parable. uh, The Bible says that Jesus Christ said to them that if you don't understand this parable, then you will not understand any other parable. So this is a pivotal parable in the kingdom of God, okay? Verse four, um, sorry, verse three, uh, he spoke to a, a parable saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell <clears throat> by the wayside, take note of that, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had they had no deep deepness of earth. So this particular um, seeds sprang up immediately, and the reason why they sprang up immediately is because they had no depth. And let me just say something here: it's not every, you know, you know, in Christianity, what we look at is not the is not only speed but consistency. Meaning that <clears throat> if you look at a believer, right, what you should look at for is not just the speed of results, but the consistency of work with God. Meaning, don't just admire someone that that suddenly became a Christian today and tomorrow he started bearing fruit. That is fantastic and it does happen. But much more admire the person who has been consistently working with God over a period. So in God's ranking, he ranks consistency above speed, all right? And that's why the Bible says we should imitate those who through faith and patience have obtained the prize. So faith, faith is synonymous with speed, but then patience is synonymous with consistency. So it's not just speed we're looking at in, in our faith work, we're also looking at consistency, all right? So verse five again, some fell on the stony ground, um, okay, verse six now, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no roots, they withered away. And this is what consistency does. It's consistency represents those who have gone through several seasons of life, both good and bad, and have held through to held true to God's word all right verse 7 um Matthew chapter 13 verse 7 now and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them but others fell in the good ground and brought forth fruit some a hundredfold and 60 and some 30fold all right now let's go down to, and verse 9 says who who has ears let him hear okay so go to verse 18 we want to look at the interpretation Of this parable, and this is one of the parables that Jesus Christ gave us. Jesus Christ gave us the; um, um, he interpreted for us, not leaving anything in doubt. Okay, verse eighteen, and from here we will begin to see the three main reasons why believers do not produce results in their life. All right, and please, when you listen to this, don't just don't just think of of someone else. Think of yourself. Ask yourself does any of these, do I fall victim to any of these circumstances at the moment or maybe in time past, right? And I believe this will give us wisdom. So verse 18 says, hear ye another, sorry, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his life, He says, this is he which received seed by the wayside. So the first reason why believers do not produce results is number one, they do not understand the word of God, meaning that they lack understanding in the things of God's kingdom. All right. So if you see some believers, it's not as if they don't quote, they can't quote the scripture, but they don't understand what they're quoting. And this is why the ministry of the Holy Spirit is super important because the Holy Spirit brings unto us revelation and wisdom, right? That's why Ephesians 1 says, um, Paul was praying for the Ephesians Ephesian church and says, I pray that God will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So it is one thing to know the word of God, but it's an, another thing to understand it. And it takes the spirit of God to bring understanding. So when you see believers who can quote the word of God, but you can't see the result of what they are quoting in their lives, it's most likely is that they don't even understand what they're they're quoting. And this is why, this is where um, a lot of believers fall under. Believers that know the word, but they do not understand it. And have you ever heard people, people apply the word of God wrongly? And you are wondering, how did we arrive at this application? You know, and this is really why doctrine is super important because doctrine gives you the structure of the, gives you the structure of, of the kingdom of God. What I mean is doctrine allows you to know the length and breadth and the boundaries of God's word. And within those boundaries, you now find understanding. So the number one reason why believers don't produce results is because they lack understanding and the cure to understanding is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. All right. Um, without understanding, you, you know, the Bible says this, um, I don't remember the, the exact scripture, but in Proverbs it says, um, the wise man is strong, but it says, the man, um, the man that, that has understanding it says, he who increases in understanding, right, increases in strength, right? This is me paraphrasing. Meaning, according to God, strength is synonymous with understanding. So the depth of your roots, right, the depth of the strength of your roots, is synonymous or directly proportional to the depth of the understanding you have from god's word so one thing we should aim for this year is to aim for understanding not just accumulating knowledge but understanding it mm-hmm. and the proof of understanding is in our actions right when you see a man of understanding you when you see a man of understanding you can tell from the actions he take he um he's taking do you understand when someone understands the way god works you would see from the way, from the acts, uh, from the from the um, actions and the and the results and the way a life, rather than the person takes. All right, and this is why the Bible says that um, the people of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. So on one hand, the people of Israel Israel could narrate what happened, but they did not understand why it happened, and they did not understand how it happened. But the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. That is where understanding comes in, all right? So the first reason why believers are unfruitful is that they lack understanding of God's word, all right? So let's continue our, our reading. Um, we're in verse 20 now. Verse 20 says, uh, Matthew chapter, 10, chapter 13, verse 20, it says, but he <clears throat> that receives the seed Into the stony places, the same is he that hears the word and and anon with joy receives it. So, this person hears the word of God and he receives it with joy and is so excited, right? Which is good. Like the word of God should genuinely produce excitement in your heart. But look at what he says next. He says, Yet, verse 21, yet had not root in himself, meaning that this person, even though he received the word with excitement, this person doesn't have root in himself. It says, Receive the word of God, word of God um, with excitement, yet hath not rooted, rooted in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by this person is offended. This, is, this brings so much perspective to um, a lot that goes on in people's lives. You know, have you ever been in church and the pastor is preaching and somebody shouting, Preach, Pastor. Woo, I receive it. Wow, hallelujah. Now excitement at the word of God is good. It is there's nothing wrong in that, but we must go beyond excitement to, to depth, because the reason why this person, the Bible says that, yes, yeah, this person was excited but had not rooted himself and then just for a while. What this means is that so this particular guy, for instance, in church, hears the word of God, he's excited. Well, after service, you ask him how was church service. Guy says, "Wow, service was." Powerful. He's like, "Do you mean it?" He say, "In fact, you say." He tells you that if you don't, if you if you do, if you miss service today, you you've missed a lot. Service was powerful. The next morning, he goes to the office. He looks at his at his colleague. Let's assume the colleague. Um, let's assume in church, the pastor preached on faith and declaration. Then he looks at his colleague at work, and they say the colleague just says something like. Oh, you know, my head is aching me. The, this this guy looks like colleague and say, "No, you don't have faith. You need to speak words of faith. You can't say my head is aching me. You say my head is not aching me." And this guy is excited. The word of God is still fresh. This is Monday, Monday morning. By Tuesday evening, he begins to experience some shaking in in the office. By Thursday, let's say by Wednesday, his boss calls him and calls him to a private meeting and says, "You know what?" Um, because of the of the COVID, you know, nineteen, we have to resize and everything, and um, we need to restructure. So I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I you know, I'm, you know you, I love you. You're my guy, but I'm not sure if we'll be able to afford to pay you anymore. And then these guys had sinks. Now he re- had a word of faith on Sunday, but by Wednesday, the Bible says, for when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, by and by is offended, meaning that. Persecution begins to arise in his life and he's now shaking. Even though he was excited on Monday, on Sunday and Monday, by Wednesday, the seemingly bad news has dampened his spirit. By Thursday, he's asking himself, What am I going to do? He's now entertaining self-pity. By Friday, Every strand of faith that came from the word of God has dissipated because persecution comes. And there's something I want to point our attention to is the fact that it says persecution came because of the word of God. Listen to you. um, Listen to me rather. Many times in our lives, the persecution we are facing is not because we, we sinned or we did anything wrong. But rather, it's because the word of God came to us. And the devil always goes to attack the word. You know, when you read um, Matthew chapter four, the Bible says that um, Jesus Christ went to wilderness and fasted and then the devil came to tempt him. And the first thing he tempted him with was that he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread." Jesus, the devil questioned the sonship of Jesus. Why? Because the previous chapter, God had already spoken sovereignly and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the very word that came to Jesus was the very word that the devil came to attack. So persecution, tribulation usually comes because of the word that we have received. And if we are not rooted in the word we have received, when persecution comes, we'll forget it. We would focus more on the persecution and the word of God will fade away from our consciousness and then we will not be able to obtain victory. And, you know, we're still at the beginning of this year. And for many of us, the word of God has come forth, whether um, personally or corporately as a church, as a family, as a ministry, you know, the word of God has come forth. I'm saying that I'm, I'm, I'm quite expected. We are excited about what God has declared will happen in this year. But I'm telling you that a point will come where, The enemy will challenge the word of God and you challenge it with persecution. Mm -hmm. Our security is that the word of God has roots in us. All right. I'm going to come to, to how I'm going to share with us briefly how the word of God takes roots. But let me say something else from this scripture. Look again to that. Look at verse, verse 21, where we are reading. It says, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, it says by and by he's offended. You know, he doesn't say he's offended immediately, it says by and by, meaning with time, as the persecution begins to come, it wearies his soul, and then he becomes offended. Offended or here also means that he becomes he begins to despise the word that was spoken to him. You know, it's almost like, like someone, um, let's say someone God spoke the word. To someone's business, right? And God said to the person from from the word that in this year you are going to expo- expand to the left and to the right. You break forth. You know, you you expand. You enlarge. And the person is excited. God spoke this word in January. Person is excited. He's he has, he has ginger. He's energetic. By March, his sales begin to drop. He drops by fifty percent. Let's say he's stopping customers. Three of his stopping clients. Move to a competitor, his sales drop, the person begins to wonder what is going on. By and by, he begins to question the word of God. Up to a point where he looks at the word of God, that same word that God spoke to him, and then he doesn't value it again. He says, if God said I will expand, where is the expansion? If God says I will enlarge, where is the enlargement? So by and by, he's offended. Let me tell you the trick of the enemy. If the enemy can't stop the word of God from coming to you, what he will do is that he'll try to weary you from believing the word of God. And weariness is one of, the, one of the dangerous tactics of the enemy, right? He wants to weary your soul, right? So that you lose hope in, the, in God's word entirely. And we need to be careful and, and watch against that. So how do we mitigate against weariness of soul, against shallowness of, of, of depth? The the solution to this is meditation. That means you take the word of God, you let the word of God gain roots in your heart. That is you you take the word of God, absorb it, internalize it, till it becomes a part and parcel of your being, such that no matter the situation that comes, you cannot deny the word of God. Meaning through meditation, the word of God becomes more real to you than your circumstance. And I, I mean, if you don't, if you don't internalize the word of God, if the word of God doesn't have root in your heart, I assure you a season will come where if everything around you would look opposite of what God has said. The only thing that will sustain you is the word of God that has gained root in your heart. Hallelujah. So meditation is the antidote to um is antidote to shallowness, all right? The second reason why believers are not fruitful is because they, they don't have depth. They are shallow. And a lot of believers are really shallow, okay? You hear believers come and say, oh, but God promised me this will happen by July. And, and we're already in August. And they are, they are beginning to say, uh, God does not like me. I'm angry with God. All, all those, you know, funny things that, pe- <laughs> that people say. The reason why they, are, they can be like that is because there is no depth." And this year, God is calling us to depth. Whatever God has revealed to you, let it take roots. Let it take roots. Meditate on it. Pray in the Spirit over the Word of God, so that when the enemy comes, you know. If you take a piece of foam and dip it in water, okay. If I bring out, let's say, I dip a, a piece of foam in water and take it out and place it on on a, on a slab, by looking at the foam, you might not know what's in the foam. But when you squeeze, you might not know the fluid that is in the foam, but when you squeeze it, what is in the foam will come out. That is how God wants us to be. God wants us to internalize his word so that when the enemy squeezes us with pressure, persecutions, and and tribulation, the only thing that comes out of us is the word of God, not unbelief. So this year, let us internalize God's word um, in our hearts, all right? So I said here that the enemy attempts to weary the believer through persecution or tribulation. Then I also said here yeah, that without the, without a deep seated revelation of God's word, the believer g- begins to doubt his conviction of the word of God. All right. And lastly, I said that depth comes from the private engagement of God's word in your heart, uh, and this is what medication, meditation does. Let me say something before I move to the final point, and it's the fact that you know when when we read when we read um, in verse <clears throat> in verse twenty. Twenty right, he says that he hears the word of God and anon with joy, and anon with joy receives it. All right, so many times the expression of joy is is visible, okay, meaning is public, and this is something we need to be careful about, even with our own lives, that the external expression of joy does not yet mean you know the word of God, or does not yet mean you. The word of God has taken root in your heart, that you are rejoicing at the word that comes to you, which is fantastic. And many times when God gives us a word by revelation, it excites our spirit, but that excitement is not a proof that you have internalized the word of God. So don't let an external manifestation of God, of joy, stop you from internalizing the word of God and meditation, which gives us that, um, which is the process of internalizing God's word is usually done in private. So when you've rejoiced on the outside, go to your to the secret place and meditate on the word of God, so that it becomes a part of, part and parcel of your heart, Amen. All right. So the third reason why believers don't produce results, let's continue our reading verse twenty three. Sorry, verse twenty two. It says, "He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word." So this person hears the word. Okay. He says, and Um, here's the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So this person hears the word quite all right. But then he says that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word in this person's life. So the third reason why believers are unfruitful is what I call distractions. And this is a very potent tool in the hand of the enemy. All right, distractions. And these distractions come in different ways. Two main, two ways, majorly. Jesus Christ here says the cares of this world, and then the deceitfulness of riches, meaning that whether you are poor or you are rich, or whether you're in a state of want or you're in a state of abundance, the enemy can use any state to distract you. So someone, someone, um, someone that is. Paul may look, look and say, oh, it's because I'm poor. That's why, um, and, you know, because I'm poor, I have to hustle every day. So I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to study. And I'm going to tell you that that's not true because even the person that is rich, all right, is also being distracted. And this is where the enemy is messing around with a lot of believers right? On one hand, he uses the cares of this world. So for instance, the cares of this world means what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Um, How am I going to pay my children's school fees? Oh, my house rent is due. How am I going to pay that? I'm looking for, you know, I need to buy this or buy that all those cares. Then enemy uses the the cares of this world to occupy the space of God's, um, God's word in our hearts. And it's the, the cares of this world now choke the word of God in our hearts. All right. And if we're not careful, right, especially if you are going through a season of, of need or of, of, of lack or, you know, you're, you're in need of something, doesn't necessarily mean you're poor or anything like that, but you're just in a, need, in a state of need where you, you probably need a new house or you need a job or you need a child or you need something. That need can become an instrument in the hand of the enemy where the enemy occupies your mind with that need so that you focus on the need rather than on the word of God. And this is one area believers have to be careful about, that the enemy can take away your attention from the word of God and place your attention on the need. Because, you know, the, 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 the deception is that if I focus on this need, I'll be able to overcome it. And that's not true. The more you focus on the need, the more the need amplifies in your heart. God's strat- strategy is that focus on the word of God. The need will, will shrink up to a point that it no longer exists. The more you focus on god's word all right the other way the other the flip side of this is the care the um the bible calls it the deceitfulness of riches and you know riches has deceit inherent in it for instance <clears throat> um let's say a young graduate just finished from school he's looking for a job looking for a job and then he lands a job in an oil and gas company now let's say his first job was probably with um with a company that wasn't paying so well And because of that, the believer had to, you know, had to trust God for even um, things that he needed. Maybe he wanted to buy like a a new set of clothes. Believer had to trust God because his salary wasn't enough to cater for his, you know, basic needs. Or the believer wanted to pay rent. He had to trust God and apply his faith and God provided. And because of those of that state, the believer was engaging God constantly, you know, which is something a need can do in your life. It's it should inherently push you towards God. But then this believer, right, this um, recent graduate eventually now gets a job in an oil and gas company. The salary is seven times what he used to collect. At this point, the believer doesn't need to pray to buy clothes, doesn't need to pray and trust God and have faith to pay rent, which is fantastic, right? This is growth for the believer. But then also the enemy now comes and takes advantage of that and includes a deception in the heart of the believer that says, since you have money, you don't need God. You can make decisions without consulting God. So the believer begins to gain independence from God. And the believer, in his own logic, says that, well, if I can just go and buy a new car, why do I need to pray to God? Um, sorry, why do I need to pray to God before I buy a new car? I'll just, I mean, just wake up and want money and go and buy the car. And gradually the believer begins to reduce his dependency on God. That is the deceitfulness of riches. And the deceitfulness of riches can choke the word of God in person's life. So for instance, the believer, um, this new graduate or this person, right? um, Before, he didn't have money to travel abroad, but now can travel every summer for vacation. In fact, can travel... Twice so a year for vacation. And the believer just travels without consulting God. And when God is saying, you know, withdraw, stay, spend some time with me in the closet in prayer and in fellowship, the believer is his the believer's heart is dull, too dull to sense what God is saying. And this today he's in Abuja, next time he's in Tanzania, next next moment he's in um he's in America, another moment is in Scotland, and then he's moving to Amsterdam. And just because he has the money and he can afford it. That is deceitfulness of riches, and that deceitfulness can choke the word of God in the believer's life, such that you focus more on your financial ability than on the word of God. Okay, so the Bible is saying to us that we need to be careful, the distractions can come either from an abundance of resources or from a shortage of resources. And either ways, the enemy will still try to distract you. So distraction is not peculiar to rich people alone. Distraction is also not pe- peculiar to people in need alone. Distraction is distraction, whether you have abundance or not. So what is the strategy to um, uh, what's called to mitigate from this from this um, scheme of the enemy? We will find that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And we're just going to conclude on this note. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> All right. Um, let me read, from, read the King James version. It says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So it says, Considering that we when encompassed about by a, 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 a large crowd of witnesses, it says, Let us lay aside every weight, meaning things that easily distract us. It says, And the sin that so easily besets us, and then let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2 is my emphasis. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he said, down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the Bible says we should look to Jesus, meaning when there are distractions, God is addressing our focus. Our focus should be Jesus. I want to read the way Amplified Bible puts this. Um, Hebrews chapter chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. And this is the, this is, what God is asking us to do, especially when the enemy comes with distraction. See, let me say something again, that what the devil really wants is your soul, is the is the space of God in your heart. He wants to occupy it. So the devil, devil doesn't really mind whether you're a millionaire or not. What he's really concerned about is, does God, God's word have place in your heart? He wants to take that place in your heart. The enemy is really not concerned about your lack or about you, you being in lack or you needing something. His real concern is, can I use this lack to occasion a distraction in the life of the believer? And so the Bible says, whatever state you are at, look away from that thing, whether it is a need or an abundance, look away from it and anything else that would distract and look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith all right so this year let us be intentionally focused on jesus yes i know you might be trusting god for something but let your focus be on jesus yes i know you might have just received you know the miracle you are really really trusting god for over the years maybe you're trusting god for a new house trusting god for a car a, a a business breakthrough um a change of job or whatever it is and that thing has come i'm saying take your eyes away from that thing and still fix it on jesus the reason why Peter sank was not because of the, of the storm, was because his eyes were taken off Jesus. Hallelujah. So these three things are things I believe God wants us to take note of this year as we take roots downwards and bear fruit upwards. Number one reason why believers don't produce results is that they lack understanding. And I say the way you mitigate this is by, 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 by um, experiencing and praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to give you insight into what you read. All right? Um, okay, time permits us to read that, but yeah, just understanding. So, lack of understanding that's the first reason why Christians are not fruitful. Second reason I said here is that they don't have depth. Christians don't have depth in the Word of God. If you see a believer who is who has been a believer for a while and yet is unfruitful, is because the Word of God doesn't have depth. And let me say this: a lot of believers are lazy. And if God wants to help you, He will throw you into a into a fiery situation that would that would would test your faith so that it will push you to deepen the roots of God's word in your heart. And if you don't do so, then the fire will consume you. All right. So believers don't have depths. That's why they are unfruitful. And lastly, we said distractions, whether it's cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches has distracted a lot of believers. All right. So I believe that this year, God will help us gain fruit and deepen our roots in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so um, we're going to pray right away, just pray for about three minutes, but I want to just open the floor to anyone who may have a question or who may want to give a contribution to tonight's teaching before we pray. We're just going to have, we just have one minute for that, and then we we'll go ahead to pray. So, yep, the floor is open. Um, anyone that wants to, you know, maybe have a question from what was shared today or you want to drop a you know contribution or share something you know that that ministered to you during the course of today's um, teaching. Anybody wants to do that, or just share what, what really blessed you in today's teaching before we pray. I, I mean, I like to hear feedback from us. If you're on Mixellar, please type in whatever you want to say, and I'll just read it out for everyone. All right, anyone, anyone on Zoom. Won't we'll just share something that really blessed your heart or a question that you you know you have or an understanding that you got. you know just share something before we pray. Um, Evelyn Ogoluwa, to me, nonso, Ed anybody? All right.
1: nothing from okay, me. <laughs>
0: thank you. All right. Um, not to about, say? So, sorry, you. say something. Or oh, who was talking? I'm not talking? It was Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Okay. Um, I
1: just wanted to. Can I go? Yes, please go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to thank you so much, Victor. Thank you for the word that you shared thank to God. us tonight. Thank you for a new year, and thank, thank you God. for serving us with your platform. So I wanted to just say like in all of it, I know you spoke about it, but I just say dependence on the Holy Spirit. You mm. know, in this kingdom, we have so many principles. And sometimes in the midst of going through something, you might not start joining out to one teaching. Do you understand? It might not come to you. So we need to learn and cultivate that friendship with the Holy Spirit. So we are able to deal with, you know, immediate things because I was thinking which principle is going to feed this situation I me mean, before you even finish thinking, you know, life demands a response from you. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is always on time. So I just wanted to encourage us to cultivate our friendship with the Holy Spirit through prayer and the word mm. and worship. Mm. And, you know, practicing to hear his voice, knowing how much he loves us and knowing that we can always give him options. You know, sometimes when I talk to the Holy Spirit... And I have a question to ask him. I don't necessarily always hear him. Most of the time I put out my own questions to him. I put out options to him. Should it be this, this, or this, right? And in my heart, he gives me that knowing it after his word. Yes. So that's dependence on the sweet Holy Spirit.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Eddie. That's true. Dependence on the Holy Spirit this year. Um, Bruno, so please go ahead. Your hand is
2: up. Okay, yeah. Thank you very much, Victor. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New
0: Year.
2: Yeah, so I I really, really believe that uh, this message or this teaching is apt um, at a time like this. Mm. Because uh, the year is starting and then um, everybody has goals, everybody is set out, let's run, let's get everything done <laughs> and all of that. So with regards to the seeds that fell amongst thorns, those who hear the word of God. But along the line, the cares of this life shook them. And even with regards to the ones that fell by the roadside, right? One scripture that just came to my mind while you were speaking mm-hmm. is 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's about um, godliness with contentment. hmm
0: Go ahead. Um, Nonso, are you there? So I know you guys can't see my screen, but um, pardon me. Nonso, are you there? Okay, so I guess we lost Nonso.
2: Yeah. Can you hear me?
0: Okay, yes, we can hear you now. Yeah.
2: Yes. Sorry, the lights went out. So, yeah, the scripture that came to mind is, um, "Godliness with contentment is great gain." Mm-hmm. So, and I think um, it's one scripture that has helped me, and I think it will also help us that while we are running, while we try to achieve all of those things, devil is going to throw a lot of things our way, right? Mm-hmm. So, but being contented where you are, you are not a failure. That little you have achieved, it's it's good. It's good enough. so always have in mind that. God is with you. Always have in mind that okay, even if this hasn't happened, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I just wanted to like bring this scripture to mind that perhaps there's someone uh, in our midst that really, really need to add this scripture to their um, portfolio. If I should say that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Victor. I was really blessed by this station.
0: Thank God. Thank God. And thank you so much for for um, adding that. Um, Godliness with contentment is great, is great gain. Hallelujah. Let me read, um, comment on Mixeller. Um, Idara said that, I mean, what she learned from today is that we have to stay rooted in Christ to overcome the challenges that come our way. Also, if you are not intentionally sowing into your spirit, you are automatically feeding your flesh. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you very much. All right. So I want us to pray. In um, the next just three minutes, and the prayer is very simple. From where we read in Isaiah chapter um, chapter thirty one, it says that the remnant shall take roots downward. Chapter thirty seven, sorry, not thirty one. The remnant shall take roots downward and bear fruit upward. So Isaiah chapter thirty seven, verse thirty one. Let me read it. Says, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take roots downward and bear fruit upward. So the simple prayer is this, Father, help me by your grace to take roots downward this year and bear fruit upward in the name of Jesus Christ. All right? Very simple prayer. Father, help me uh, by your grace, help me to take roots downward this year and bear fruit upward in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's do our voices as in the next three minutes, I just wanted to pray that sincerely from your heart. Let this year not be a year of of what's gonna be gonna be Christianity. Let it be a year of intentional sowing, intentional reaping, intentional um, um, exercising the realm of the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, Jesus. We ask that by your grace you cause us to take root downwards and bear fruit upwards. Name of Jesus Christ. Marocoli Parasco barasko sikali barasko sudi kebala. Mande la vati saya. Revalandus ukoria bresko vati. Rade barresko kapatoni. Barresko baraskatoni. Reke manesko magi elatri kabatoski labashandi. Rebagada baruska pakareti na bayantos sigalato. Lord, help us by your grace to take it downward. Let the let your grace empower us to. Committed to the discipline of the Christian faith, that this year will no longer be babies, but will take food downwards and we will will bear food upward in the name of Jesus Christ. Let this be a year of growth. Let this be a year of intentionality. Let this be the year where we are not unawares of the schemes of the devil where our um, lack of understanding is not our experience, where we are not distracted from the world, where we are not shallow in our, in our depth, for this year we gain grounds, we gain, gain roots, so we grow deep and we grow high Father, we bless you Thank you, everlasting Father to give all the praise and all the glory when Jesus mighty. be we have prayed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're done. Um, just two things I want to do before we go. Number one, please, if this is the first time you are joining us for our Bible study, we will really love to meet you. So kindly just introduce yourself. Um, tell us where you are joining us from. And um, if you're invited by someone, let us know who invited you. All right, we'll just do that quickly. Hi. Hi, Evelyn. <laughs>
1: my first time. Um, my name is Evelyn Gray. Um, I'm currently in the UK, in England. So um, I was invited by Victor. I've been invited by Victor for the past, I don't know, since he started. <laughs> I mean, I've been seeing your post. So, but I don't, today, it, it spoke to me to join. So um, yeah, I'm excited to be part of the family. Um, Yeah, fantastic. Please let's welcome Evelyn, everyone.
0: Thank Thank you. you. Welcome.
1: Thank you for the word, Victor.
0: It's very much in season. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you for joining us. Um, so yeah, please let's welcome Evelyn to Borderless Christian Community. Um, Hi, Evelyn. Good evening. Hmm. Evelyn, good
1: evening. (laughs) Hello, Eddie. Good evening.
2: (laughs) Welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Um, one last thing before we go. Um I just want to remind us about our prayer cluster. So let me explain that we have what we call prayer clusters. Um, a prayer cluster is a is basically a prayer cell of community members, you know, that meet once a week to pray for about 30 to 60 minutes. And we said we said this from last year yeah i think towards the end of november right and it's been fantastic so far so i'm really encouraging everyone to join a prayer cluster we have prayer clusters that meet every single day of the week except tuesday so you can sign up for a prayer cluster identify indicate the day that you are most available to pray and then you know you'll be added to the group of um people praying as well so i'm dropping the link in um i'm dropping the link in the chats oops sorry so that's the link there, uh, bit.ly 4 slash prayer clusters. So please do well to join a prayer cluster. Um, we've already started prayers, I mean, since last year. And if you've signed up and you've not been assigned to a group or you've not been added to a group, please let me know. Oops, So I didn't send this to everyone. Um, okay, that's it. All right. Okay, so that's it from, from here. God bless you all. We meet every Tuesday, 7 p.m., um nigerian time um to about 8 30 max or sometimes we don't spend up to that but yeah so see you next week god bless you have a wonderful evening and um all right the grace of god be with you bye everyone